Hey, Cam. What's up, Mitch? Hey, we got a lot to talk about this week. Uh, do we ever? So ATP Recorder, the Accidental Tech Podcast, for those of you who don't listen to it, um, recorded uh, an episode this last week. Did you listen to that, by the way? No, I have uh, I have moved on from ATP. I just, I, I, for reasons that we don't need to get into right now. <laughs> Their episode was three hours and 15 minutes this last week. So. Holy cow. So as long as we don't do more than that, we're okay. So yeah, no, I have right. a house. I have a house to go move into today. So. <laughs> All right, let's not do a three-hour episode then. Yeah. All right. So well, let's get into it. Uh, we we talked a little bit about. Did we talk about AirPods on the show last week, or was it offline? I forget. Oh, I think that makes us both bad podcasters. I don't remember. Uh, I think we we talked about that offline, but um, we were discussing AirPods, and I have I have some AirPods. AirPods Pro. That's right. It was after the show because I dropped them out of my pocket and we talked about them. So yes, there we go. Um, so you had you had talked you had told me that you had some uh, some of the older AirPods that were kind of getting old and weren't working so well. So um, so I got a text message uh, early this last week of your shipping notification that they were on the way. So uh, did you get them on Thursday? I did. They arrived on Thursday, and uh, so I've been using them for two days. All right. What do you think? They are very different than I have the Gen One AirPods. Um, so no wireless charging. Um, I've had them for probably I don't know three years, something like that. Um, and it's it's not just the silicon tips that are different or silicone tips. Sorry. Um, Whichever. Yeah, I've been making that mistake all week. So it's uh I love I so I my my normal headphones are sure in-ear monitor headphones. So I'm totally used to the sealed, you know, in-ear feel that, you know, blocks the sound out. Um so that doesn't bother me at all. The noise cancellation though, I've never had noise canceling headphones before. That is trippy. I would agree. Um and years ago I had I'd bought some Bose um noise canceling headphones. They worked half as good as the AirPods Pro. The, the AirPods Pro just, I don't know what it is, but they really nailed it. Uh, and I don't know if you realize there's actually microphones inside and outside. Yeah. So they're able to measure how the your inner ear canal, um, what, what sounds you're hearing. And so that noise cancellation adapts to all of that. And that's just, it's wild. It it's, does such a good job. Yeah, it's like I was uh, sitting in uh, like the main hallway of my church waiting for FedEx to come pick up a package and there's a pretty loud air conditioner noise and I turned the noise canceling on and I forgot that I had the noise canceling on and I didn't hear it. And then the FedEx person showed up and I took my AirPod out and the noise cancellation obviously stopped. And I was like, holy cow, there's been a fan on this entire time and I had no idea. Yep. And well, and probably the biggest experience I've had with it is that my, uh, my wife uh, will grab the vacuum cleaner and start vacuuming. Uh, and if I connect my AirPods to the Apple TV, which I can do relatively easily as mm-hmm. I'm watching, watching something, um, and turn on that, uh, that cancellation, I don't even know she's vacuuming hardly unless she's in the room with me. So yeah, pretty crazy. I also really like transparency mode. I actually use them more in transparency mode than I do in uh, in active noise cancellation. Yeah, it's it it's a it's bizarre because like you can tell it's mic it's miking the external noise and piping it in, um, but 
when everything's off, you just have like that, that silicone seal. And so it's not noise canceling, but everything's pretty muted. Mm-hmm. And that transparency mode is like, you're like hyper listening to everything around you. It's like, I feel like a spy, you know, I'm like, Ooh, I have headphones in, but I can hear everything outside of me really, really well. Go on. Tell me all of your secrets person next to me at the coffee shop. Yeah. Right. It's the, it's the perfect poker uh, headphones. <laughs> now, there are a few things I do not like about them, though. All right. Uh, I do not like the physical button that you have to press for play pause or you hold down for transparency mode or noise cancellation. That little, like, high-pitched bink noise that it makes mm-hmm. makes the hair on my arms stand up. I hate that noise. And it's right in your ear. And I have not had that uh, experience, so... Um, you don't, yours don't, don't make the noise? Oh, I'm sure they make the noise. I, it doesn't just give you a little click? Yeah, but it, the noise the click makes is terrible. Hmm. Okay. I guess it just doesn't bother me then. And I also don't like the fact that I actually have to physically click a button on a stem that's like half an inch long. Mm-hmm. I actually was one of the people that didn't mind the double tap on the old AirPods for Siri and for play pause. Cause it was just, it's a, it's a, it's a gross motor skill, right? Just bonk, bonk. Hey, Siri, do this for me. Bonk, bonk, play pause. Now I have to like very carefully place my, you know, fingers on this tiny little stem next to my ear, find the button and actually push it or hold it. Not a fan. Yeah. But I think the, the difference between you and me on this one is I think I've been using them long enough that I've really gotten used to that. I can definitely see where the tapping on the ear is a little bit easier uh, or more convenient. But I guess I'm, I just doesn't bother me that much. Uh, for me, it was like if I'm doing the dishes or mowing the lawn or working in the yard or doing stuff where my hands are either wet or dirty or gross, I could literally just use the back of my hand and double tap and talk to whoever's calling me or if, you know, my daughter needs something or, you know, someone shows up. I, I don't have to then take my dirty, grimy, gross, wet hands and touch my very expensive technology with them. I can just use the back of my hand to do it. Or like, you know, the nose tap on the watch, (laughs) that sort of stuff. But with this, I don't really have that choice. Right. So there, there are pros and cons. I think they sound really good. Mm -hmm. I think they sound much better. Um, So I'm happy, I'm happy with the purchase. uh, Cause like, like you said, my old AirPods were starting to, the microphone was really starting to not work very well. Um, so happy with the purchase, but definitely not uh, perfect. Yeah. Have you gotten a text message while you've had them in yet? One, and I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> the first couple of times that happens, it, it uh, shocks you a little bit. And the text message, I actually believe, was from you. So well done, sir. Hmm. Oh, very good. Yeah, it, like the not- the notification noise it makes. I'd never heard that notification noise before because I'd never received a text message on my AirPods Pro. And I was like mid-podcast and I was like, oh, this is a new sting on this show. I'm like, oh, no, wait, my podcast is over. I'm being talked to by Siri now. <laughs> it, was, it was very, uh, what's the word, off-putting because I just, I had no reference point for what was happening. Yeah. And I think there was, uh, the other night you and I were having a conversation uh, while I was driving home from work. And yes, whether it's legal or not, I do wear my AirPods in the car in transparency mode. But uh, you you had text me, and I was the whole conversation we had. I pretty much was dictating to you through the through the AirPods Pro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when when you when I received it, it said sent with Siri. You know, it has like little. Oh, like, did it? Re- yeah. Hmm. 
which I think they do so that like if some of the words are wrong, they're not like man. Mitch must be, you know, glug, glug, glug tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you been drinking? <laughs> so. so. Overall, you give them, give them two thumbs up or? Yeah, overall, I think I, I will get used to the button clicks. Um, but I would have, I would have preferred they keep the old interactions but I don't know how they would have done that with the noise cancellation, you know, the long press and hold. So I get, I get why they did what they did. Um, I, I do like the physical appearance of the shorter stems, especially like with my beard, because sometimes my mom, I'd be talking to my mom or my dad, they're like, are you ruffling a bag of potato chips next to your phone? And it was because <laughs> the longer stems were uh, rubbing up against my facial hair. So that's no longer a problem. But yeah, two thumbs up for sure. Would recommend them with uh, the obvious detractors that i've mentioned so and i think i think it might be i think it might be interesting to revisit this in a month or two and uh see see how you're doing with them and if if any of those opinions have changed so so i do think that they take a little getting used to for sure cool well our national nightmare is over man soda stream is back in stock okay good i was like there are so many places i can take that comment mitch but i don't really know if we want to go there on the show so soda stream right, right. okay i'm, I'm happy yes. tell me more tell me more my wife was actually able to order new soda stream cartridges this last week on uh, the soda stream website and the uh, the old ones are sitting all boxed up and ready to ship back to them right now so um yeah i had my first uh soda stream water last night I got to bubble my own water when I got home from work last night, and it was very nice. So, did you did you play Bobby Roode's entrance music before? I really, I really wanted to. I hadn't thought of it, but that would have been perfect. <laughs> so that's how you felt inside was glorious. I oh, assume. absolutely glorious. Um, I'll never do that again. I promise. <laughs> uh, I'm glad it was you and not me. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, the other thing is, you brought up uh, Lacroix last week. Indeed. Yep. And you're big. You're big uh, fan of Lacroix. I do enjoy Lacroix. Yes, I think it's uh, refreshing. Well, on your recommendation, I slummed it this last week and uh, got a couple of cases of Lacroix, and uh, I didn't hate it. it. wasn't bad. Hey, progress. What flavors did you go with? I I got orange. We we were at Aldi, so I think they had like four flavors available. So it wasn't wasn't a huge assortment, but the orange was good. Um, and then I thought I'm gonna get a risky one, and I got the coconut. Ooh, so, what did you think? The coconut wasn't bad. I I've it, tried it twice, and it, I was expecting terrible things. And I thought, oh, this is actually rather good. It, I kind of expected to have the first sip and hate it. Which is why did I buy it? But uh, <laughs> but I thought you know we'll, we'll get a risky one and see see how they do. And you know I didn't dislike it at all. It was it was actually not bad. Well, I'll count you that. Know, as which well. is which is high praise, I'm sure. But, Indeed. But anyway, that's enough about uh, uh, carbonated water. Uh, so we talked about uh, the SSDs in the Mac and a few different things like that. You're going to do a little bit of research and uh, yes, do some follow up with me today. Indeed. So uh, you are correct that Mac SSDs are soldered to the board, just like the RAM is, um, which means, guess what, consumers, we can't do anything with it. It's it's not user replaceable. Um, but 
that doesn't dictate with the type of SSD, be it, you know, uh, NVMe or, or, or things like that. So I found a really helpful article at beatstech.com from 2017, um, but it went through the entire history of Mac SSDs for like for a really, really long time, but it hasn't been updated since 2017. So it has none of the, the newer Macs from the last three years, but essentially all of the late 2016 to mid 2017 uh, MacBook Pros when the article was written have SSDs that support the NVMe protocol, which is non-volatile memory. I forget what the E stands for. Um, and the devices uh, that include these drives all support PCIe uh, 3.0 um, NVMe con connections. So it, the fact that the SSDs are soldered to the board doesn't dictate the type of connection that Apple can or chooses to use. It just dictates whether or not I can swap it out. And that's not news, right? We've all known that Macs have become more or less and less and less and less customizable post-purchase. You have to do all of those configurations up front. Um, which is Apple's way of making you pay more money to future-proof your computer. Which, you know, smart business decision, but kind of not great user experience. Would you would you call it user-hostile? Uh, I mean, I think putting spinning disks in computers still is user-hostile. User I, don't, I don't think charging more for more storage is user-hostile, but yeah, it's... Like I get Apple, they're control freaks. That's why when we talk later about the move to ARM, like they want to control the full stack. They want the software, they want the hardware, they want everything in between. They want to control all the interactions. That's why they have their own retail stores. Like they want to control 100% of your use and interaction with any of their products or services. So, which I think benefits us in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. We'll see some of those benefits when we talk about some of the uh, the updates from WWDC. But again, there's that's why there is the the custom PC culture. It's the people that want their own control and they want their their ability to customize and to upgrade and to not, you know, be controlled by or have their experience controlled by another company. They want to do it themselves. And that's why you're always going to have those, you know, two main, two different views, but also some of the people in between that hop back and forth. So yeah, it's, um, it's definitely a control thing. So last week or two weeks ago, when I was editing the show, um, I kept hearing something and I'm thinking to myself, did I get this wrong? <laughs> were, were we, uh, did I, I, th I thought we had settled on a name for this podcast. Yeah. Keep, keep using a different name. Um, so, so I went back to our conversation in, in the text messages and we were talking about uh, what we wanted to name the show. And I'm like, no, I was right. It was inner dialogue. Uh-huh. Yeah. History is, history is on your side. Somebody on the podcast, not me, kept calling it in, internal dialogue, which... <laughs> Which I, I probably wouldn't have greenlighted that because there's another podcast by that name, but uh, inner dialogue we we can own. So, so that's that's your public shaming. So yeah, and and well deserved. It's well deserved. <laughs> so if there's any questions about that on last week's episode, uh, yeah, that was just a a, a miss. Uh, just me being flat out wrong. That's what it was. It, oh, the show yeah. is 
inner dialogue, and I will forever <laughs> second guess that from now on because of my mistakes in the first episode. So, so what I think is hilarious about that is I was thinking, gosh, is there some way that I could edit this to make it sound like inner dialogue instead of eternal internal dialogue? And when it came down to it, it would have been that terrible edit where, um, <laughs> yeah, on the show today we're going to be talking about this. And uh, and <laughs> inner dialogue, <laughs> totally different. Uh, yeah, so I mean, anyway, but yeah, no, but that's we, definitely, uh, I left it in the show, and now I can harass you about it. And, indeed, you know, yes, yeah, it, it will live uh, forever. So one la- one last piece of follow up. I'll uh, I'll let you I'll let you off the hook on that one. Um, we talked a lot about carrot weather last week, and. Uh, after the show, I got a text message uh, from you showing that uh, you had downloaded Carrot Weather. So how was your experience with Carrot Weather over the last couple of weeks? It makes me laugh multiple times a day, which it is funny. now I get why people like it so much. Uh, it's funny. And uh, I also like the secret location search. Like, I have no idea why that's mm-hmm. in a weather app. No yeah, it's idea. it's totally stupid, but it's right. it's entertaining at the same every time. Every time I get the notification, I'm like, okay, we're, like I had to find Chernobyl last night. I didn't know Chernobyl was in Ukraine. I thought it was in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Shows you what I know. Um, yeah. So, so what what I thought always always thought was funny was uh, there was a secret location that was not it, it was discoverable another way, but they had Mordor in there. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. I have not gotten to that one yet. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, Mordor is just hot all the time. <laughs> it never changes. the 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 uh, forecast never changes for Mordor. So, That's but funny. Uh, but yeah, so that was pretty funny. Overall, I like it. Um, I'm still not used to the um, the user interface where you can like scroll right uh, right to left to like go into the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I use Dark Sky for years. So that in my brain is how a weather app should look and function, which is not correct, right? That's just my what I'm used to. So it has taken some getting used to. Um, but like I said, a weather app that makes me laugh. Like, yes, please. You know, why, why not? That's great. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, uh, when I'm looking at uh, Carrot Weather, I find it uh, one of the best weather apps overall that that I've downloaded as well. You know, I've always had an issue with the way uh, different uh, apps do the radar. Um, I like to have a crap ton of information on on uh, the the radar. I love having storm tracking on there. I love having just because when this time of year when we're getting a lot of storms coming through our area, it is really nice to be able to see, hey, this one's coming this way. And, and how the wind currents are affecting that and all that kind of stuff. And that's all in their weather app um, where you can download one that's just for radar and not get nearly that many features. So mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, they're funny and it's entertaining, but it's a really well-made weather app. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So thank you for the recommendation, sir. It is now on my home screen. Yeah, I, I pretty much have deleted everything else. Uh, I was I was getting increasingly frustrated with the Weather Channel app. Uh, the fact that you know at one point I could pay to get rid of ads, and which I did, and then they updated it like a year later, and they're like, "Oh wait, there's no paid version anymore, so you're stuck with ads." And it's like, I don't want ads in my weather app. 
said it's something because you and five other people paid, they realized they could make more money on the ads. Man, it just, it ticked me off so much. And then they came out with the StormTrack app. I forget, I think that was the name of it or something like that. And so I downloaded that because the the radar was good and rich and had a lot of the features that I wanted. But the forecasting was kind of, you know, you could get to it, but you had to tap through a few different things. So it wasn't super convenient to get to that. But then they added ads to that. And I'm just like... I'm done with ads. I just give me an ability to pay you three to five dollars or even a subscription fee or whatever. I'll pay it to get rid of those stupid ads. If it's a good weather app, you know, I'm paying, I'm paying for, uh, for carrot, you know, I'm a tier two, uh, subscriber on carrot because I love the features that it gives me. I love the, the customizability of the, uh, watch face, uh, the complications for the watch face and stuff like that. It's just good. You know, yeah. it's a well done app. So I'm willing to throw money at somebody if they're doing good work. So, all right, well, let's get into our first topic of the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about WWDC later, but I thought, you know, since we are a uh, faith-based podcast, uh, we do want to bring in a little bit of Bible every so often to talk about some stuff. I thought it would be appropriate for us to talk about coveting a little bit today. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, quite honestly, we're all sinners. We sin. Uh, we sin. Um, and uh, just because we're, we're saved, we've been justified, doesn't mean that we don't deal with sins in our life every day. And coveting, I know, is one of my issues. I don't know if you have the same issue, uh, Cam, but. I like things. I like having things. I like yeah, seeing I, you know, I, ooh, I want that. Yeah, and I love going on the Amazon app and going, ooh, that's cool. Ooh, that's cool. I want that. Add that to the wish list. Add that to wish list. I got wish lists like you wouldn't believe on, on Amazon. <laughs> um, but I thought a good reminder before we get into talking about uh, the WWDC announcements and stuff like that is just to, to cover coveting. And uh, in Luke chapter 12, um, we'll start in verse 13, but the crux of it is in 15. Um, it says, uh, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell me, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? And then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed for not even, not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possessions? Well, yeah, I like, I like where he says, you know, your life doesn't consist of the abundance that you have, right? Like there's, there's a sign at my local Jimmy John's that says the gap between more and enough never closes, which is the non-biblical version of what Jesus just said, right? The, <laughs> right? the stuff that we collect, we don't get to take with us, right? Like, and so to Jesus's point, what matters is our relationship with God and our rightness with God. And that is more valuable. That has more abundance that has more meaning that has more purpose than anything we could collect, be it Apple hardware, fancy cars, fancy titles, you know, whatever, you know, the thing is, and it's a good reminder. So I'm glad that you added this to show notes because we, that we can temper our discussion about what's to come through this. And so I, I'm, I'm quite happy that you brought this up. And I think that it's, it's important to note that, you know, if you're feeling convicted about this, as I feel convicted about this, you know, that's okay. 
you know, that that's how God works with us. That's how he grows us and, and makes us better people. Um, cause we, you know, there's so little we can do to make ourselves better. It really depends on how God works with us and, and teaches us. So it, you know, a little conviction is okay. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, man, I got really got to straighten that out. That's all right. Learn from that. That's good. All right. Anyway, uh, moving on WWDC. So <laughs> where did you want to start on this? I, I know I've got uh, the foundation series as kind of a first quick note in, in here because I was drooling over the trailer. Yes. Tell, uh, tell me about your drooling, Mitch. I'm very interested. So I send you a text message too that says uh, I'm drooling right now. But <laughs> I love sci-fi. Science fiction is my jam. I, I almost don't watch anything else. Uh, Star Wars, as we talked about last week, would you say it's your space jam? It's my space jam. That's a that's terrible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, oh, good grief! How did I know Michael Jordan was going to come up in our uh, in our conversation today? Anyway, so the Foundation series. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, Isaac Asimov wrote uh, a series of books. Um, that is considered to be one of the pinnacle experiences and probably one of the, the most defining experiences when it comes to sci-fi fiction in the last, you know, so many years or from the conception of sci-fi in general. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they adapt a foundation because foundation moves kind of slow and is not a big budget, you know, war thing, you know, like, like you might use might see in star wars or some of the other ones it is a it is a very cerebral a set series of books which makes it really good and i was telling cam before we got on the air that i've this is a series that i've started about three times so <laughs> and i and i say started because uh you know it's not reading it isn't you know the pacing is a little off for me but i downloaded the audiobook for the first foundation book and uh, we're going to read it that way so I'd love to get prepared for this uh, series. So, um, Cam, any thoughts? I mean, I thought it looked awesome. Uh, again, visually, like just the level of production that TV shows have now or could can have is just, yeah. I am happy that I get to watch shows with that level of production value. Uh, I know nothing about the books and I am debating whether or not I want to read them or if I just want the show to be how I learn the story. Because um, fiction, I don't know, like, I've read Lord of the Rings. Obviously, I read the Harry Potter books when I was younger. Uh, I read, I've read all the Game of Thrones books up to this point. But, like, other than that sort of stuff, fiction kind of bores me for the most part. Um, and so I'm tempted to read them because it's been a long time since I've read fiction. Uh but it seems like a really large commitment and uh, I may just wait till the show, but either way, I'm excited about it and I'm excited for a, a new story and a new universe and um, to see what, what it holds for us. And I, I'm, I'm thinking perhaps this is the show that Apple is hoping will get people to sign up for TV plus. Like this is going to be their game of Thrones essentially is what my guess is. And I think it has the potential to be that uh, the, the just looking at the trailer um, this, the book series spans a thousand years of, oh, gosh. Uh, of time. 
So, you know, for them to be able to move around, I mean, it's going to be really interesting, like I said, how they do this, because they obviously have um, a really grand view of how how they want to uh, present a foundation. You can tell from the trailer, you know, that this the books, the books can't be directly adapted to the screen. Uh, it just it's not going to work well. But to use the framework of the books to build this series, it definitely could be the Game of Thrones that that they want it to be. A lot of it's going to depend on if they meet they meet that potential. But uh, and that's I think that's always the issue. But we shall see. All right, um, a uh, a Game of Thrones with less nudity would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> All the other. I, things. I wish. I wish they made an edited version because it's such a great story. It's so good, but uh, they got to throw all that garbage in it. So. Well, it's a story about the depravity of humanity and what people will do for power. And it that's is exactly what it's about. So you get to see all the ways people can be depraved in that series. Um, but at least it'd be nice to have an option to uh, have a black screen when there's garbage going on. So. And anyway, Put your hand uh, I know how depraved I know how depraved the uh, uh, humankind can be. So, all right, so let's talk about uh, iMessage updates. So uh, this is this was exciting when we we're, we're looking at iMessage. Um, so what? Uh, Gotta find it in the on the page here. But go ahead. Uh, why don't you kick off the iMessage or message? There's there's a few updates. There's really only one that I'm excited about, and that's the pinned conversations. Uh, and so what, what this is, is at the top of your message list, uh, you can have up to six pinned conversations and they get like really big circles for that person's memoji. And you can, they're essentially like your favorites, right? So uh, you know exactly where those conversations live. You don't have to scroll through your list of messages and um, they can be groups or individuals and um, you'll get notifications on the big circles at the top with uh, a reply and in group conversations, it'll show a smaller picture of the person that replied last. So it's just a really, uh, I think visually it looks nice. Uh, it's going to take some getting used to to have, you know, this, these two rows of three big circles at the top of your messages screen if you, you know, choose to have all six, but having pinned conversations for the people that you talk with the most is going to be very handy. Yeah. And there's nine at the top. Oh, is it nine? Okay. I'm sorry. I, was, I thought it was just six. So there you go. For, for those popular folks, you get three extra options. Woo. So I'm not that popular, but at least I can keep a, keep an extra three in there. So, yeah. Um, the way it animates too, you know, if you go to uh, apple.com and go go in and uh, take a look at how they've they've done this, you can literally you can look at your your top nine, or your top six, or how many ever you have there. And as they send new messages, little bubbles pop up to uh, to show you their message. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of neat. And like you were saying in the group text, you know, you got your little bubble of people that are talking in there. So yeah, I think it's it's. Visually, it's going to be a good touch, but I think practically, it's going to be very, very useful. the The other thing was being able to do mentions. So, if you mention somebody's name in a group text, it uh, it calls them out so that they know that they've been uh, they've been messaged directly. Uh, there's new emoji 
Numemoji uh, styles, Numemoji stickers. Man, who doesn't love memojis? I don't know. I don't know why they don't call them memojis, though. That makes me crazy because it's a picture of me. It should be a memoji, but it, it's always been pronounced memoji, and it just like mm-hmm. Apple. These you know so-called branding wizards. You have me in the word, and it's a picture of me. But I digress. Sorry. <laughs> Opinions. I have them. Settle down, would you? <laughs> I will not stand for this. <laughs> uh, inline replies and group messages. Mm. This is this is the other thing that I guess I would be excited about is the inline replies. I think it's thank you finally. Woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. You know what's really not exciting about this? That yeah, I mean, uh, some of these some of these features aren't going to work with your green bubble friends. <laughs> of course they won't. I mean, why would they? You know, one of two things has to happen here. Uh, either <laughs> all my friends have to buy an iPhone. Or Apple has to offer a Android version of messages. They're not going to do it. I have I have as much of a chance of my friends um, all getting iPhones as I do uh, getting messages for Android. Well, I will I will share a story of hope with you real quick, Mitch. I have a friend who her and her entire family are Android and Windows. Her dad is an IT engineer, so. They were raised the Windows way, and, and, you know, when smartphones came along, Android, and just anti-Apple and iPhones and all of that, and, like, staunchly, mm-hmm. like, just rooted deep, and would always, and her husband has an iPhone, and uh, appreciates, you know, the iOS experience, and she texted me the other day, on Father's Day, actually, to wish me a happy Father's Day, and... I noticed, I was like, wait a minute, her circle's blue. And I thought, surely that must be a mistake. That is super exciting. And then I didn't even respond. I don't think, I don't even think I acknowledged the Happy Father's Day. I was like, when did you get an iPhone? And she responded, LOL, all caps. I knew you would notice. <laughs> and then we, then we had about a 20 minute back and forth about, the things that she likes about the iPhone versus the things that she doesn't like. And it's, it's, you know, with the change of ecosystem comes all the things that, you know, like, like I said about the AirPods, the things I don't like is because I'm not used to them. Right. So it, it was really funny though. So there is hope, Mitch, there is hope. There's always hope. <sighs> well, thankfully I do. I actually would, I, I would laugh to get like all my friends that have iPhones in one uh, uh, thread and all everyone else in another thread. <laughs> that would be nice. Anyway, uh, whether it happened or not. Um, anyway, so let's move on to the iPhone uh, and iOS 14. So I'll let you have this one. Go ahead. Okay. Um, when they did the video intro and I saw the widgets on the home screen, I literally had a tear run down my face. And then I thought to myself, are you crying? are you a grown man crying because there's widgets on the home screen? And I think it was because I wanted it and I predicted it and it came true. And I didn't know how to handle the fact that I was right, except for the fact Mitch, that I'm not right. You can't have widgets on your home screen and they come in multiple sizes, but you can't, they are not interactive. They are only for glancing at data. So I got, I got 
part of my wish. I did not get my full wish. So I take that tear back. Apple can't have it. I'm going to, I'm just going to be honest with you. I think that's a matter of time. Oh yeah, I know. They've got a, they always do this where like they, they introduce a new feature and it's part of what we want and all we want. And over the course of, you know, time, it grows into what we want it to be. So I will remain patient, but it will be nice um, to have the widgets, uh, especially with third-party apps. Like, cause right now it's obviously beta season. So it's only Apple um, apps that have them, but yes. Yeah, so you can now have a widget on your home screen. You can stack them, which I think is brilliant because they do take up a lot of space and you can have multiple sizes, but you can uh, stack them yourself. Or there's a thing called a smart stack where Apple will um, like the Siri watch face, surface what they think you want when you need it uh the effectiveness of that remains to be seen hopefully it's better than the siri watch face although i haven't like i said i haven't had the watch in like a year and a half so perhaps that watch face has gotten better um so i am excited for the widgets uh though they're not fully functioning the way that i want them to we are making progress and i'm excited to play with them and i'm excited to see what third-party developers can do and the um if I remember correctly, I was listening to App Stories yesterday, and I believe that much like now on the watch face, you can have um, multiple complications from the same app, which we can get more into when we talk about watchOS. I believe you could have multiple widgets for the same app. So you could have like a reminder stack that you can flip through. It just has all your different lists on there. So that's, I think, I'm glad they did that. So if apps have multiple data uh, sets in them you can have one widget per data set and just stack those and so you have your stack for that app and be able to glance the data that you need right away so like that'll come in handy for omnifocus for me i think to have different if i can have different perspectives in a stack and just be able to slide through my perspectives on my home screen Mm -hmm. yes please that's amazing i will take that and run with it um we're going to need to talk about OmniFocus at some point in the future. So I'm a, I'm a huge user of it as well. Well, I think you could probably teach me a few things then, Mitch. I uh, I just switched to it like three weeks ago. Oh, right on. Yeah, I was a things user for ever. Um, and and that was that was my uh, progression too. I started with things and then I switched over, over to OmniFocus after listening to a podcast that really deep dived it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, whoa, because the biggest difference is that things is like this to-do list that is a to-do list. And over the years that they've added some kind of irritating little features, I, I hated doing the, well, here's your review for the day. What do you want to add? And it's like, I don't need that. I already told you what I wanted to add. <laughs> OmniFocus, on the other hand, like you can really make it what you want to because it's so deep with features, mm-hmm. you know, my wife was complaining about something the other day with OmniFocus and she's like, well, I can't do that. I was like, well, why don't you set up, um, why don't you, they used to call them context. What do they call them now? Tags? Yeah, you can have tags. Like, yeah. yeah. So I says, why don't you just set up your tags so that you can, you can sort it like that. What? And she's like, oh yeah, I can totally do that. So it, it's something that the, the, customizability of OmniFocus is so deep. And I totally get if somebody just wants to use reminders because it's simple, it's easy. You just make a list and you're done. Mm -hmm. Um, But OmniFocus gives you like, I run my life on OmniFocus. Literally. I have, (laughs) I have a reminder in OmniFocus to take a shower every other day. 
because if I don't, I might not think of it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm serious. You know, I'm not a teenage boy anymore. I don't have to take uh, showers every day. But to but to make sure that it's on my schedule every other day so that if maybe I've had a few days off of work or something like that, it just it pops into my head and says, hey, you know what? Don't forget to do this because you're going to appreciate having done it. So, um, but, you know, when I do need to take them more often, I do. So, but, you know, that's just... <laughs> That's just a, an example of um, like something I use in OmniFocus that just, it helps me to not forget to do stuff. You know, I figure if everything's in there, I have a reminder in there for everything, then I don't have to try and remember it. And I think that's the key to a good tax and task manager. But we can discuss that on, on a, another episode sometime in the future. So, all right. But I agree. Having the the third party support for these widgets is going to be critical for me. Uh, if it's just um, the Apple apps, it's going to fall down for me. I want, I really want one for Overcast. And I think Marco said on the episode the other day that he's not going to, he's not putting a lot of focus into it right now. That makes me really sad. <sighs> um, But but having one for Fantastical, um, having one for, um, what's the other one that I was looking at? Um, OmniFocus, I think, was the other one. Yeah. yeah. Having, having one for OmniFocus and Fantastical would be, would be huge for me. Um, having a nice big carrot weather uh, widget would be incredible. And I know they'll do it because they're crazy like that. Um, but just having that available to me on on i might become a multiple screens guy you know if i can if i can uh, make, have all these widgets on different screens yeah and so i think that what you said right there leads perfectly into the next feature that i want to talk about which is the app library i'm really interested in, to know after our conversation last week what you think of this ah uh, i love it because now i don't have to have multiple screens that are inherent folders of different functionality now app library will do it for me so i can have the apps that i need and the data that i need in widget form on one or two home screens and then everything else can just sit in the app library i it, i mean yes please now that that is assuming that is assuming that the sorting and the grouping of those apps a is perfect or B is editable. And that I'm not sure about. It wouldn't yeah. would sense for it to be editable for me to make my own um, groups on the app library. But again, that may be a feature that comes down the road. It may not be version one. Um, and I don't have the betas installed because I'm not an Apple developer. So I can't confirm or deny uh, that part of the functionality but even if that's the case i'm still going to use it because you can search you can scroll it does have the um recent uh what are the two folders recently added and suggestions at the top mm -hmm. and then everything below that so i'm i'm gonna have one maybe two home screens depending on how many widgets i have and that will change over time as you know third-party ones become available um, and then just go full app library and just see what that's like. But I'm excited about that because it's less it's less flipping screens and more just here's what I need, here's what I need, here's everything else. And that that, that excites me. 
Yeah, and I would agree to a certain degree on that. Uh, I do think that it's they're not going to be any customizability right away, but I can definitely see that coming next year uh, or the year after that. I, I think that more most likely we'll see it next year where they'll say, hey, guess what? Now you can make your own folders and app library. So, um, and this is kind of how I work anyway. You know, so I have I have one page. I used to keep one full page of uh, folders, and uh, and everything was organized in those folders so that I knew where I needed to go. And these were the apps that you know I don't use every day, so they were kind of buried in those folders. So this is going to be very similar to what I was doing before, only perhaps a little bit more refined. The problem is, is that somebody was telling me about the way that they do their uh, phone. And so I decided to put a bunch of folders at the top of my main screen. Um, I sent you that. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I don't dislike it. it. It actually works pretty nice. I like having all of those folders uh, accessible uh, right on the front page. But I think that with the widgets coming, I'm going to change how I do everything um, on the phone. And this app library could be pretty, pretty cool. I think uh, we'll talk about the betas later. But I think uh, when I get an opportunity to get a hold of this, and play with it a little bit. Um, we, uh, I think that'll really define how I'm going to do this. So, one other thing of note is that they talked about those little, the little applets. What do they call them? App clips. App clips. There we go. Um, I don't have any purpose for these at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think this is going to be more for people who live in major cities. That right. You know, like maybe maybe if you go visit Chicago, you might have you might have a reason to to use one of these. But you know, for me in rural Wisconsin, I'm not going to need it. So yeah, I think the but, one that I could use is there's an Amtrak station here that I take when I take the train up to the city, and it would be nice to have an Amtrak app clip. So I don't have the Amtrak app just sitting on my phone, you know, for the six times I'm going to use the train this year. So. Well, that's also assuming I'm taking public transport anytime in the near future. <laughs> I love that you use Amtrak. Yeah, man. Because right. it takes just as long to drive there. Mm -hmm. And it's cheaper to pay for the train than it is to pay for parking. And to find, oh, parking, to find parking. So so real quick aside. Um, this is going to be a three-hour episode, dang it. Um, <laughs> uh, so... A few years ago, my wife and I went down and visited Chicago. So we live about, it's about a three and a half, four hour drive from where we're at. And we, we took the train down there and I, I told my wife, I am not driving for the, the whole week that we're, that we're in Chicago. I don't want to drive down there. I don't want to drive back. So she lined up our, our, uh, train tickets and, um, and we have a Amtrak station about three or four blocks from where we live here. So it's, it's really accessible. We, we actually grabbed our suitcases and we walked over to the Amtrak station and, um, and then we took the train down there. Uh, we used a uh, lift while we were down there. Um, we walked um, almost everywhere else. You know, I think we only used lift like two or three times while we were down there, but we walked, we were right down on the river. So we walked over to Millennium park and we walked, um, up into a lot of the shops that are just north of the river there. I, we were right across the river from the Apple store. So, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so I spent a lot of time there. <laughs> yeah, but we stayed in the uh, the Wyndham Hotel that's right on the uh, right on the river there. So 
my wife was working for the company at the time and we were able to get some cheap rates to, to stay there. So nice. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And because we knew people, we got a room upgrade and it was, but the, the only downside and, you know, po- politics aside, the only downside was when we looked out the window of our room, <laughs> it, was, it was the Trump Tower right across the river. <laughs> yeah, it's in a very prominent location on the river, and it yeah, is yeah. not small. But I laugh because we had to go back and watch one of the uh, Transformers movies that, that took place in Chicago there. I'm forgetting which one it was, if it was Dark of the Moon or what it was. But I had to go back and watch that because uh, it, a lot of it took place right in that area, so... And it was filmed down there, so it looked great. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. So anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking oh, about AppClips. AppClips. <laughs> so yeah, I like I said, I just I don't know that I'm gonna need those a whole lot. So but it's cool, it's cool that they're doing it, and I know that some people really will uh use those a lot. So Definitely. Um picture in picture, Mitch. I'm actually quite excited about this. I think it's gonna be cool. Yeah, especially like with FaceTime. Like I FaceTime my parents in, uh, quite a bit because they live in Detroit and I live outside Chicago. Uh, and I have a three and a half year old, so they like to see their granddaughter, you know, as often as possible. Um, but being able to still keep the FaceTime video on the screen while I look something up or, you know, like oftentimes when I'm on the phone, I'll ask my dad about a project I want to do and, you know, you can go to Safari and look stuff up, but the video goes away, right? Yeah, so yeah. It, it's just, it's so much more practical because the whole point of FaceTime calls is to see the person you're talking to. So now you can see the person you're talking to while you are looking something up to ask them a question or to answer their question or, you know, what, whatever. Um, and I love the feature where if you do need the full screen, you can slide the video to the side the audio will still mm-hmm. play and you can bring it back, but that's your choice, not the system's choice. Right. And I really, really like that. So I'm excited. It looks like it works for, you know, pretty much any full screen video you can turn into picture in picture. So I'm, I'm sure it's going to work with like, you know, Netflix and YouTube TV and uh, Apple TV plus Hulu. all that. Like I, I would imagine, yes. I would Man, imagine I so. it shouldn't be hard because they're all using the same system video player so yeah i really i really hope it's in the it's in the um firmware as opposed to like when i uh when i watch when i watch on my ipad ipads had this for a while uh not everything supports it so well maybe i'm being wishful in my thinking i i i hope i hope they get on board honestly and and that every everything will support it, or if it's baked baked right into the firmware, that it's not even the choice of the the developer of the app, but rather it's just it's it's just treated as video. This is what video does. So we'll see. So it still bothers me that I can't watch picture in picture on Hulu on my Mac. How is that a problem? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Maybe that is on my no, that's on my Mac trying to think i'll have to try that later we'll, we'll throw that and follow up how's that make the window smaller oh, man it drives me crazy <laughs> but then you got all the crap that comes with it mm-hmm. anyway so the last um, thing i'm going to talk about for ios real quick i'm going to cut you off sorry is a tweet that i found from federico vitici who if you guys and girls don't know who he is yet and you're into this stuff 
follow Federico Vitici and go to maxstories.net. It's, I think it's the best Apple site on the internet. Um, and also MKBHD had this in his uh, iOS 14 uh, YouTube review as well. You can, you can now double or triple tap on the back of your phone as a way to launch uh, system functions or custom shortcuts. Mm-hmm. So literally, you just take your finger, you hold your phone, you take your finger, you go double tap, and it can run a shortcut to do whatever you want it to do. Triple tap, it can do whatever you want it to do. And it's it's buried in, buried in accessibility um, settings right now, much like the um, cursor support for mice was on the iPad before um, full trackpad and uh, cursor support showed up in, what, 13.4, I believe. Um but it's just another way to interact with your phone quickly to do things that you want to have readily accessible. Like if you, if you don't like having to, uh, you know, swipe down from the top right to get to uh, the camera or, you know, sliding. Oh gosh, I can't even do it on my phone. You could double tap on the back to open your camera. You could triple tap on the back to open messages to a specific recipient, say your spouse, that sort of stuff. Um, pretty, pretty interesting. Why they added it? Why it didn't get mentioned on stage? I don't know. Um, but I'm interested to see what, how people use this in the future. And I'm sure the internet will be rife with people making suggestions or showing how they use the double and triple tap to uh, take quick action with their phone. And I'm sure there's going to be there's going to be people that are be like, well, why can't we do this like a triple tap or, or a, I'm sorry, quadruple tap, yeah. or if I if I move my phone like this, you know, it's all using the accelerometer. So yeah. there is there is a, a vast variety of different things that could be done. Why doesn't it support Morse code? S O S, yeah, yes. a whole new generation of people that would learn Morse code then. The SOC system on the chip. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, there was one other thing that we should we should call out just really briefly, and is that the compact calls? Um, oh yes, yes, yes. Finally. The fact that calls no longer take up the whole screen. Siri the same way. Yes. You know they're really they're really getting away from um, you having to leave the context of where you're at to to deal with stuff that's coming in. You know, so. With, with that, you're just getting a little notification that comes down that says, hey, so-and-so is calling, accept or decline, you know? And I think what I, if I'm understanding this correctly, again, neither, neither one of us is on the beta. Um, you can swipe down on that and then it'll take up the full screen. So then you'll have all the options that you're used to having, so. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's like a natural evolution of the UI, right? We hijacked the whole screen and now we don't. So I, yeah, I'm a big fan, less intrusive, less jarring, um, better user experience all the way around. Very happy about it. Yeah. So real quick lightning round. Uh, we've got, uh, cycling directions that neither one of, neither one of us will probably use, um, (laughs) uh, guides. Uh, they talked about these, uh, like tourism guides that they'll have uh, built into the app. Um, that's part of, uh, that's going to be part of Apple maps. Mm -hmm. Uh, the trans translate feature will be pretty cool. It's pretty limited right now to the languages that's available, but, uh, I'm actually excited about that one. 
Yeah, I think I think it'll be nice. Um, where we're at, and you probably deal with this too, because we get a lot of people up from Chicago um, that uh, vacation up in this area. But Polish would be really nice, and Polish is not not available here. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of Polish folks in Chicago. The one that I'm excited about is is Spanish. We have a very very large Hispanic population in the city that I live in, and especially at our church. And yeah. one of my best friends here who's on staff of the church is actually from Mexico city. Uh, and so I always like to say really stupid things to him in Spanish just to get him to laugh. <laughs> yeah. And now I have an app on my phone where I can sneak attack him. I can talk it in, into, you know, type it into the phone and then just shove it in front of his face and watch him read it. And it's going to yeah. be some, it's not going to be great for him, but <laughs> I'm excited to, I'm excited to be able to say even more stupid things in Spanish yeah. and ex- expand um, my uh, vocabulary. In, in yeah, a very my, not useful way. My best friend for the last twenty five years is uh, fluent in Spanish. He's uh, his parents are from Mexico and Texas, the southern part of Texas. So he's um, he grew up with that. So yeah, that'll be fun with him too. But he speaks English just fine. He grew up in the states. But yeah, he he was the one that uh, we'd go out to eat at a Mexican restaurant, and he would say tortilla and quesadilla oh, and a jalapenos. <laughs> <laughs> he would just do it to, 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 for fun, but, um, some cool <laughs> home upgrades. I'd, I'm, I thought you'd be on this a little bit more, um, or you'd want to talk about this a little bit more, but some cool upgrades to the home app. Yeah. It's so they, they mentioned something. Yeah. About a new interoperability standard made with Amazon and Google and other smart home companies that they're all working with. And then they just didn't address it. The rest of the presentation about HomeKit. And like, how are you going to drop that bomb and not tell me what that means and what that looks like and what to expect and when it's coming and all of that stuff? Because right now, if you want to do smart home stuff, you have to choose an ecosystem and then you're kind of stuck in it and apple's home kit is very limited in um not what it can do but what your options for vendors are like there's only a small a small slice of the smart home pie that works with home kit stuff if you go to google or amazon you get many 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 more options for uh devices and companies that you can work with and there's obviously pros and cons home kit stuff is more expensive because apple and they rave about how their privacy is so much better than google's and amazon's which is shown to be um what's the word uh not great um in certain areas so i am actually quite excited about this because like i said i'm moving into a house later today and um, I will be getting some uh, cameras and some smart lights so that now I can take advantage of the picture in picture on my Apple TV of the video cameras. I can use the smart lights to set up scenes. I have one app on my phone called Portal uh, that is a, um, a sound app essentially, and it has mm-hmm recorded sounds from all over the world, like the you know, Pacific Ocean and Hawaii, some uh, jungles in the Amazon, uh, you know, all the different 
places uh, around the world. And it integrates with Philips Hue lights so that, and it's got stunning visuals that take up the screen based on what you're listening to. And it will match the Philips Hue lights to what is on your screen. So you get the full audio visual experience. Um, and I'm actually really excited to try that out. Um, so uh, yeah, the HomeKit stuff is super exciting. They will have adaptive lighting uh, during the day so that the color temperature of your lights will adjust with the daytime so that in um, you know the evening, the lights are warmer, which is you know more like orange, less blue. And then during the day, it'll match daylight, so it'll be bluer. Um, they're adding face recognition for doorbells and cameras, which is great. So like if I have a camera set up on my front door, and uh, it's my friend Beto that I just mentioned, the one from Mexico City. It can mm -hmm. say, oh, it'll, I'll get a notification, Beto's at the front door, because it recognizes his face, which is super cool. And then I believe there's another feature too. They mentioned, I don't have it written down, um, but you can set the hot area for a camera to say, only notify me if someone comes in this zone. So like- And that's, that's pretty common of the, a lot of the, um, a lot of the, camera apps because mm -hmm. i've got i've got a ring and i've got a Waze cam here or wise cam um and they they do that where you set a hot hot zone so. and it just makes sense right like don't don't notify me every time someone walks on my sidewalk tell me when they're on my porch it still does that but <laughs> no well hopefully this one will be better yeah but yeah and i am excited that the apple tv while it serves as the home kit hub will now have more home kit features built into it um, so I, I, I will, uh, I will detail my adventuring into smart home stuff, uh, as I make those uh, upgrades, but yeah. uh, I'm excited about it. And we can, we can talk more about that in the future too, cause I've got some stuff here too. That'd be interesting to talk about. Um, some improvements to Safari and we can run through these real quick. That translation feature, uh, carries over into Safari. So if you pull up a web page that's not in English. It's pretty quick to uh, translate it. Uh, if you don't speak English, you can translate it into your language as well. Uh, and why are you listening to the podcast if you don't? But they're, uh, they're learning, <laughs> right? Um, password monitoring. Uh, this will be kind of a cool thing. I know I'm. I have one password that does this yeah. a little bit already. Watch but, Yeah, but being able to um, being able to look and see, you know, how many times have I used the same password on different sites, and which sites do I need to upgrade that password on? So it might be a little bit easier, seeing as though it's baked right into uh, iOS to do that. Uh, do that there, and I think that that's going to be in macOS as well. So, and then the monitoring of uh, what do they call it? the privacy report, where mm -hmm. you can uh, see who's tracking you and all that kind of stuff. So. Car keys? Are you excited about car keys? I can't. No. I can't afford a BMW. I was gonna say I don't have a BMW 540i. Yeah, <laughs> I have a so, Ford Escape. Like I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, we are going to be buying a new car later this year, but it's not going to be a BMW. I can, can guarantee you that. Uh, but I am excited about some of the CarPlay stuff that they're adding because uh, I am make I am doing my best to make sure that we do get the CarPlay um, with the new the new vehicle. So. Um, I don't even know where it's really new there other than you can get, uh, some new app types are available and, uh, wallpaper. Um, that might be cool, you know, instead of a black screen, but, uh, I'll just get a creepy picture of me with my, my eyes looking out, looking out the screen of me. Yeah, that's... <laughs>
Oh, yeah, I like freaking my wife out. So, um, <laughs> look, hon. Ah! So, um, do we want to talk about the AirPods now, or do we want to save that? I kind of want to hit I- iPad OS real quick since we're already talking about the iOS. Yeah, let's do iPad so I can be disappointed and then be happy later. Let's just put it this way: a lot of these updates are going to be coming to the iPad as well, but not all the ones that we care about. <laughs> So they do get the new widgets in the today view, or if you have the today uh, panel up on your, your uh, front page, um, but you will not be able to move those widgets over into the app grid. Why, 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 why not? This is so stupid. I'm so mad. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we have triggered a meltdown uh, with Cam here. <clears throat> It makes no sense. Um, yeah. So so that uh, that's not going to be in iPadOS. And as far as I know, App Libraries isn't going to be there either. So it seems like they just really didn't either ran out of time to implement this stuff or maybe they've just got a different plan for, for uh, the iPad. Maybe it'll make sense more like next year or the year after why they didn't do that. But it doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. I... I... If it's any other reason than we ran out of time, it's not a good mm-hmm. reason. No. It makes no sense. Like you, So imagine this, Mitch. Imagine this beautiful world on your iPad. Mm-hmm. You have the apps that you use the most in your dock. You have a dashboard of helpful widgets on your home screen. You slide to the right, you have your app library. Mm-hmm. Why? Why can't we have that? We have it on the iPhone. Why can't we have that on the iPad? I want that. I want the apps that I use regularly in my dock. I want a dashboard of helpful widgets on my home screen, and I want every other app in the app library. One home screen, one dock, one app library. Perfection. It doesn't make any sense why, the, why we don't have it. It doesn't outside of they just ran out of time to add it at this point um i think we'll see that come you know or there's going to be a reasonable reason uh that will be that will come apparent later in some kind of other update like that they're moving that ipad os in a different direction than uh than the iphone but uh, i don't really have any ideas as to what that could be so it'll be one or the other there's a reason they didn't do it so at least i'm optimistic i guess yeah it just makes me upset that's all anything else we wanted to say about the ipad yeah they added sidebars and toolbars to everything you know i don't know just like the mac so real so there was jokes about ios 14 right oh widgets on the home screen and all these different oh where, where have we seen this before hmm oh yeah android and then john syracuse made the joke about the sidebars and the toolbars. He goes, hmm, sidebars and toolbars and windows. Wow, where have I seen this? Oh, yeah, on the Mac. And it's just really funny how, you know, the iPad back when it was introduced was never, ever going to be anything like the Mac. And iOS and Mac OS were two separate things. And now it's like you look at what you can do in an iPad and you look at the redesign that we'll get to for Mac OS here in a minute. <laughs> Well, gee, I wonder how long that's going to remain true that they're separate. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very interesting, but I, it just it makes sense to have the sidebars. 
then you can actually navigate and drag and drop like photos if you want to add a photo to an album now you just drag it over to the sidebar where the album is and drop it in there and it's like oh my gosh this is nine thousand times easier now uh, apple music now has a sidebar like it just it makes sense and so i'm glad to see it uh happen but they added so you, you search on your ipad now but they essentially turned search into spotlight from the mac on the ipad which again uh maturation so good i'm happy about that and that's why I kind of, I'm kind of wondering if the iPod, if they're not positioning the iPad more in the macOS space versus being a mobile device, and that's why it didn't get the uh, didn't get the widgets in the sense in the way that the iPhone. Did. But widgets aren't trapped in the mobile world. Like that's that's an opinion that they may have, but that's not like it doesn't make sense. Oh, it's not a mobile device, so it doesn't get widgets. Why? Why can't I? Why can't I have widgets on my Mac? Oh wait, I can. So it. So here's the thing: I'm is you can't. I'm gonna fight you on this, Mitch. I'm gonna fight you. I, I want. <laughs> I want widgets that that can live on the Mac screen on the on the desktop. Because years ago, there was an was an app called Confabulator. Do you remember this? Uh no, I do not. Never never heard that word before. So. Confabulator was uh, was a, an app that eventually that got bought by Yahoo and became Yahoo Widgets. And what it allowed you to do is it basically put a layer over your desktop and you could position widgets on your desktop. So you could have a little clock, you could have a little weather widget, you could you could do all this stuff on the on the main screen and, and it was available for Windows and Mac. And you could do all that stuff there. Well, not long after Yahoo bought it, they pretty much deprecated it. And then now you can't get it anymore. But, I, like you know, use of money. Yeah. And <laughs> right. Um, they must have been buying engineers. I don't know. But uh, but to me, there there was another thing where you could move dashboard widgets to the to the desktop as well. But that was pretty short-lived. I can't remember uh, if that was an app that you had to download. It was like basically a hack or what it was. And that had never really um, got got my attention because I don't really care for the dashboard widgets. But uh, but the, like the Yahoo widgets, there were tons of widgets you could download. You know, it was a pretty, pretty uh, exciting ecosystem at one point. And then I think that's part of the reason why it got deprecated because it, people just stopped making widgets for them. But uh-huh. I would love to see widgets come to the, the, the desktop of Mac OS, at least as an option. So maybe, cause yeah. I have a, I keep a clock on the, the, the main page of my uh, Mac because it just makes it easier to keep track of the time. I want something bigger than that little thing up in the corner, you know, cause I, then I can glance and see it. The new widgets are coming to Mac OS, but I think they're going to be stuck in the today view like they are on the iPad, but right. at least have the new look widgets. Um, so that'll be nice. How cool would it be to drag it out onto the desktop though? I don't know. I agree with you. I totally yeah. agree with you. It would be awesome. Um, one more thing on the iPad before we move on is yeah. the scribble feature. Yes. That now, was another thing. I'd forgotten about that. So it's, you can handwrite into any text field like you know on the safari search bar you can type in you know espn.com and it will take you to espn.com instead of typing um 
my, my thought about this is challenge accepted, boys, because my handwriting is atrocious. It is so bad. Well, I've, I've heard a few podcasts in the last week where, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where the, uh, like Mike Hurley and them were, were trying it and they were tr- just writing their regular handwriting and it was pretty spot on. It worked pretty well. So um, we'll see. Uh, and we'll get to the betas here in a little bit. We keep kind of skirting the edge of whether or not we're going to install the betas or not, but we'll talk about that as a separate topic today. Um, anything else? Not from iPad OS. Um, I'm mostly just yeah. bummed. How about the AirPods? Uh, this I'm excited about, actually. Yeah, there's the some au- cool, interesting things going on here. Yeah, the automatic switching. Okay, this is this is case in point of why Apple being control freaks and owning the entire stack and the entire experience is a benefit. Hundred percent. Because now with my with my my swanky new Air, AirPod Pros, I can be listening to a podcast on my phone. I can hit pause. I can pick up my iPad, start watching YouTube TV, and the sound will auto automatically go to my AirPods. I didn't touch my AirPods. I didn't tell the device, hey, switch to my iPad. It just knows and it just switches. And it's, yes, this, I cannot wait for this. Especially because with a three and a half year old in the house, oftentimes if I want to watch uh, a soccer game or a movie while she's asleep, I'll listen with my AirPods so as mm-hmm. to not wake my child up. And now, it's even easier that they've made switching to AirPods and Apple TV easier in you know the recent years. But now if all I have to do is turn it on and it automatically switches to my AirPods, like, dude, it's a, it's a great time to be alive, Mitch. I might, I might be misremembering this, but to me, I thought that was part of the promise when they first came out with the AirPods. And, oh, wow. I don't remember. Yeah. And so I, I'm looking at this thinking, I thought that's the way they were always supposed to work. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I'm obviously wrong. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this if it works. And what is going to define um, which what's going to be on, in my AirPods and what's not. So if I'm sitting watching something on my on my Apple TV and I pick up my phone and start scrolling through Instagram oh. and the audio's on, is the audio going to switch to my phone? Yeah, and then all of a sudden you're assaulted because your TV speakers turned on really loud. That's yep. a really good point, Mitch. Especially with Instagram, right? Because not everything has audio. And I don't necessarily want to hear the audio. Right, 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 right. 90, 90% of the time, I don't want to hear the audio on Instagram. You know, it just, you know, somebody's got a, you know, I'm going through stories and someone decided they had to throw a, a song in uh, to show their workout. It's like, I don't need to see that. I don't need to hear that. I don't need to see it anyway. But, uh, but you know, that's usually a quick flip. But, mm-hmm. man, I, you know... It's just jarring, especially when not everything has audio. But that's yeah. uh, that's a subject for another time. No, but that's that's a really really common use case. Uh huh. And I hadn't thought of that, so yeah. And now I'm really intrigued because, oh man, I okay, I'm downloading audio. I just decided audio sharing for the Apple TV. Um, mm-hmm. I think think that'll be interesting my my wife and i were just talking this morning she's got the old school uh airpods uh not the airpods pro right now it does it does include those airpods so 
I don't see right now with just the two of us in the house that this is useful, but let's say we have a child, you know, and we want to, or we're babysitting or something like that. And we're watching something and they're sleeping, you know, now we're not interrupting them. Not that that's a big problem in our house because we, we have our bedrooms are quite a ways they're on the second floor. And quite honestly, this, this house is over a hundred years old. So you can't hear from the, you know, some, what's going on in the upstairs. You just don't hear it downstairs and vice versa. Um, cause they just built the houses that way back then. But, um, but yeah, I, I it does give the option of being able to share that audio, uh, in AirPods. So I like that. Indeed. Um, let's see. We, let's talk about spatial audio real quick. And then I do want to talk about the headphone accommodations that they're, they're, uh, offering with this, but, uh, spatial audio. It seems to me you were pretty excited about this. Yeah, well, again, if it works, right? But right. the concept is that um, they have done some serious uh, voodoo here. And um, when you are using the AirPods Pro and you're watching a show on your phone or your iPad or the Apple TV, they wanted to, as best as possible, mimic surround sound which, you know, is usually a 5.1 or 7.1 system, right? So five speakers in a sub or seven speakers in a sub, right? I think I got that correct. Uh, which obviously your AirPods are only two speakers and they're stuck in your head. So they had to do some lots of math, apparently. And now they, based on the, the gyroscope and the positioning of the AirPods versus the screen that you're watching, be it your phone, your TV, or your iPad, they will enhance or decrease certain frequencies to allow for the surround sound effects. So sounds not only come from you left and right, but from the front or from the back or back into the right or up, um, which is, I mean, really, really, really awesome. That's why going to the movie theaters is usually such a good experience is because the audio is so rich and it. You're, you're in the audio. And that's one of my favorite things about the, the movie theater experience. And so they've done that. And then they do the math. So like if I turn my head to like, I don't know, look at something that's happening that's not on my screen, the audio stays where it's supposed to in relation to the screen and to me. So you don't get that weird like you're kind of dizzy and you're going to fall over thing. The audio stays where it's supposed to be, even though the speakers are physically moving, which is really, really kind of cool. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Um, again, we'll have to see how it, uh, shakes out, but they seemed pretty confident in their presentation of it. That it's going to be awesome. So, yeah. And they showed it with the iPad. So my thought is, will this work with the Apple TV? You know, um, and if it does, this would be pretty cool. Yeah. I got the impression that it would. I don't know why they would limit it to just the iPad. Yeah. So have you ever had a sound bar or like a 2.1 system that uh, that faked um, uh, surround sound? I have not owned one. I know people who have them and I've, you know, I so I've experienced them. But so for for years, uh, my wife and I lived in small apartments pretty much. And so when when I upgraded our system at one point, I bought a nice uh, Yamaha sound bar. And the that fake surround sound, it is not perfect, 
but I'll tell you what, it tricks my ear sometimes. You know, I I think where I notice it the most is in uh is when I'm watching football. You know, cuz the the audience sounds like it's surrounding you, you know, with with it. So that mm-hmm. you know, in those cases I think it it does work nicely, but that's it's a little different than spatial audio because spatial audio you don't have the room to bounce the sound around. Um, this is only happening in your ears. So this is, this is going to be a little bit different, but, um, but it's been done. So. Right. And it, to me, it's like, it's the, the, the natural analogy is the camera on your iPhone versus an actual physical, you know, DSLR mirrorless camera. Like you can mimic a lot of what you get on the big camera, but due to physics, you cannot perfectly replicate what you would get on a big camera same goes with the speakers they can probably mimic a ton and it will continue to get better but because like you said physics room size versus ear canal size you cannot perfectly mimic it but shoot if we can get 75 percent of the way to surround sound with my 250 airpods uh yes please because then i'm not spending three thousand dollars on a surround sound system like absolutely hands down i will take 75 percent for that much money that's I mean, that's a, a done deal for me. And my wife and I just had a conversation about $250 headphones this morning. And I was like, well, you know, my my defense for this is that you're buying computers that go in your ear. <laughs> you know, these, I mean, that's what it is. It's got a chip in there. You know, it, it's it's purposed for listening to audio. But that's a computer in there that is doing a lot more than just piping audio into your ear. Well, yeah, and it's a microphone. Like, it's, yeah, I don't have a problem. No, I don't think $250 is out of line. I mean, any of the headphones that, that you have seen over the years that are completely wireless like this, man, they used to start at $400. You know, so I'm thinking of uh, Braggy made some. Um, they were one of the pioneers in this area. And there's, they started at 400 and went up from there. So, I mean, this, this is a technology that's not cheap to make. So, Indeed. All right. Um, last thing on the, uh, the AirPods is the headphone accommodations. Um, my, my wife suffers from uh, tinnitus. And I think this would be really cool if, the, if this really kind of helps with that. Um, because her and I were talking this morning, and she's like, she gets in her in the health app she gets uh stuff in the health app that says hey you're listening to your audio too loud because she has to turn it up sometimes to get over the tinnitus and she's probably damaging her hearing um mm-hmm. because of it so if this feature allows her to tune that audio to help to neutralize the uh the ringing that she gets in her right ear a little bit um, so that she doesn't have to turn it up so loud. How cool is that? Yeah, that's, I mean, we talk so much about, you know, technology features and like the idea of like coveting new tech and, you know, ooh, now I can have pinned conversations that's going to change. Like, but no, this, is an, this is an example of when the technology can actually, actually improve someone's quality of life. Right. And that is really awesome. Yeah. So I don't know that I have much more to say about that, but... That's uh, I think that'd be really cool for people that are dealing with issues like that. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right, cool. What's next on our list, man? Mac OS? 
Oh yeah, we got to talk about. Well, we got to talk about watchOS and tvOS too. I think I walked out of the room during tvOS because I don't remember anything about what was going on with tvOS. Oh, real quick, then I'll just run through it. Um, so there's now multi-user support for games on uh, the TV. It now supports the Xbox Adaptive Controller and the Xbox Elite Pro 2 Mega Awesome Super Expo, whatever. I forget what it's actually called, but the super fancy Xbox controller. Um, mm-hmm. Picture in picture. Elite, video. Whatever. Sorry? The Elite? Yes, I think, yeah. Something like that? I think you're correct, yes. Um, picture in picture video on the Apple TV now, because finally... Um, I mean, why would you not want it on a giant screen? And I, right. if I remember correctly, I think you could have multiple picture-in-picture windows, but I could just be making that up. Uh, and then we talked about foundation, but it's also, so like the picture-in-picture is nice because like you can, I don't know, have your security camera up while you're playing a game or I could have, you know, I could have a soccer match picture-in-picture while I'm, playing a game on my TV or looking at photos or whatever. It's just, it's a nice feature and I'm excited about it. And the multi-support users, multi-user support for games is going to be nice for families. Um, so I'm not a huge gamer on my TVOS, but I know that there are like 10 people that are, so good for them. I just did that for the first time this morning. I noticed that the remote app uh, on the iPhone actually has a little controller built into it. Mm-hmm. So I try, I tried it this morning. I played, uh, played Alto's Odyssey for about five minutes. Oh, I love that um, game. that's about how long it took me to die. But, uh, five minutes but, is a long run, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, but it's not, it's not me on the iPhone. So, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was okay. And it's actually had a lot less lag than the controller. The, my my issue with the con, the controller has always been the, playing games has uh-huh. been the lag. So, yeah. but at any rate, um, do you have yeah, anything we, else to add? I was just going to run through WatchOS real quick. Yeah, let's talk about WatchOS quick. Uh, new watch faces. Yeah, so new watch faces, which is nice, but now you can share them. Yes. Which I think is going to be really fun. I don't even own a watch, and I'm going to go see what people are doing with their faces. Mm-hmm. Their watch faces, not their actual faces, because that's creepy. Man, um, you've been doing some cool stuff with your face, man. <laughs> I woke up like this. Um, yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> so yes, uh, that. But what, what's really cool now is that you can do multiple complications per app, mm-hmm. uh, which now allows you to build very purpose built focused watch apps for different situations. So like if you are into fitness, you can have your Nike plus watch face, right? That has all of the different data from your Nike plus app or the health app or your other, you know, work, workout app or whatever. Right. And then or if you're, you're into weather or if you're into weather, like Mitch, you can have <laughs> all the different weather data from carrot weather on one watch face. I'm right. going to love to see what they do with this. It's going to be cool. But like, so the idea mm-hmm. is, is when you, when you want the hyper-focused view, you can now have it. And then you can just swipe back to your normal watch face when you don't need that information. Um, and it, it, again, this is, this is a, a step of maturation of the operating system, right? This is what people have wanted. People also want custom complications, um, but 
opening the apps up to have multiple complications is only going to make for a better user experience for the people that choose to take advantage of it. And so it's, it's a maturation step. Um, and I'm really excited to see it. Um, I probably, like I said, um, I was on the fence about whether I'm getting an app, uh, an Apple watch, but now, um, you can, they added dance to workouts. So now I'm totally getting an Apple watch. I was going to say, now you can boogie down and get credit for it. So yeah, all that dancing I do. Oh man. So, uh, one other thing with the, uh, with being able to share the watch faces, you're going to be able to download those online, mm-hmm. you know, just obviously like it's not, it's not going to be like, I'm downloading the watch face. It's just the, the settings, but, but yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be cool. Um, the other thing they, they mentioned wind down, which is a new feature that turns on. It's do not part of sleep track. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's you have bedtime related shortcuts to choose from, which I think is kind of funny. Um, and then you can now sleep track with the watch. And then you can choose between either a taptic alarm to wake you up or audio. And it also has hand washing auto detection, including a countdown, which I think is like really funny and hopefully only going to be applicable for the next month or two. But I realize that's a pipe dream. So, so I told my wife that they, that I showed actually showed her on the website that they're going to have this uh, this hand washing feature. She flipped out. She thought that was awesome. So <laughs> I was like, it'll remind you throughout the day that you need to wash your hands, and then when you are washing your hands, it's going to let you know if you didn't wash long enough. And when did they add toothbrush detection? <laughs> right. Yeah, my my toothbrush already does that. Well, isn't that fancy? So that's why I got a fancy one. <laughs> I like fancy things. So theory translation on the watch, um, shortcuts on the watch. Yes, I, I didn't even write that down, and I feel like a bad person because of it. I'm interested to see what that is like on the watch. Because you can fit like what two or three shortcuts before you have to scroll, um, yeah. but I think it will be nice to. Oh, here's a question. Yeah. Does the Apple Watch have an NFC reader in it, like the iPhone does? That's actually a good question. I know you can you can use it for Apple Pay, but I'm not sure that I'm not sure if it has NFC. Hmm. That'd be a good thing to look up and figure out. Yeah, we'll add that to follow up for next episode. Because then you could just set your watch next to an NFC tag and fire off shortcuts. Interesting. All right. I will add that to follow up. But yeah. Are you uh, ready for Big, big Sur? <laughs> yes. Sorry, that name just. <laughs> so did you see the typo? There was a typo? I'm not sure where it was during the presentation, but there was a typo somewhere where... It big sir became bug sir. <laughs> that's not a good. That's a bad typo. That's a bad bad typo. Uh, I saw it on Twitter. I you know, take take it for a grain of salt. I'm not sure if it was actually in the in the presentation or somebody had the where where it came from, but somebody had the typo of bug sir. So that's funny. Yeah, but hilarious. So big story here, huge graphical redesign. Uh, the UI looks quite a bit different. Mm-hmm. New How app icons. Um, I think I'm going to have to use it, but I'm I'm always excited about anything that they do visually. 
um, to change. Now I may hate it when I actually get it, but and I'm always I'm always like that they that they're pushing it forward and doing different things. Uh, I've heard that some of the transparency is a little overwhelming right now on the betas, which I will not be running the macOS beta just as a spoiler for our last uh, t- topic today, just because I got I've got to be able to record audio on this machine and uh, we've had enough problems with that so let's see what else do we have here i mean the dock looks a little different around a lot of rounded corners mm-hmm. the added control center which i'm actually excited about because it just makes sense give me one spot to go to handle all the main things like i have on my phone and my ipad like yes i just it, i think it's good i i personally love the way it looks i know there's a lot of people that are upset that the Mac is more and more and more and more looking like iOS. And I get that. I just happen to like the way iOS looks. So I'm excited about it, but I totally understand the people who are pissed that their beloved Mac OS is turning into iOS. It's it's a totally fair position to have. Um, Here's my personal feeling on that part of it is I think they're trying to bring a synergy between it's not that they're, it's not that they're trying to make Mac into iPad. I, th- I think those those will always be different things. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring a design language into this that is universal. So that if you are using an iPhone, if you're using an iPad, you're using a Mac, you have a basic idea of how everything works. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, where if you're... You know, it's not that suddenly we're not going to be able to all all our apps are going to be full screen on the Mac or or something like that. It's not going to be anything like that. But uh, but just bringing that that universal design language to everything so that, you know, if you got somebody that's been running an iPad all these years, it's like, you know what, I'm going to give a Mac a try. They're not coming to this and going, oh, shoot, this is like totally different. You know, yeah. I need to learn all of this. You know, there's a, there's a little bit more synergy there. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I totally agree. Um, messages got updated on the Mac too to mimic some of the features uh, that it has had on iOS for years. You know, it's the Catalyst app, right? It is, yeah. So you can do you can do your memoji. Call it the right, the right way. You can do your memoji uh, on your Mac now, which is nice. Uh, some of those built-in effects, like when you type, you know, "Happy Birthday" to someone, it does the, psh, you know celebration uh pin conversations will also be in messages on the mac which is nice mac catalyst got uh a big boost more controls and capabilities for catalyst apps like hey universal purchases finally so this is when we had this discussion last week mitch mm-hmm. i forgot to mention this right because there was the the mac catalyst and then the swift ui thing came up and if you adopted mac catalyst early you could not have a universal purchase for that app and your iOS apps. You had to go the Swift UI route. The Swift UI came out after Mac Catalyst. So if you drop the Mac Catalyst app and then make a Swift UI app and make a, and then do a universal, it was, the whole thing was just super messy. But now with Mac Catalyst apps, you can have a universal purchase that includes the iOS apps uh, with it. So it just, I, I, I don't understand that whole Mac Catalyst, Swift UI, it was just bungled. The whole thing was just not, clean and not clear and i think this is a step to try and give people that want to take different approaches parity in what they can do um so 
I'm, I was really happy to see that on that slide. Uh, you can do keyboard shortcuts, you can have multiple windows, uh, that sort of stuff. So the Mac Catalyst apps are becoming more robust in their capabilities to better rival native Mac apps. So that's very exciting. You know, the Safari updates, I think they're, they're bringing over everything that we talked about with uh, iOS and, Mac, and iPad OS as far as the, um, I forget what they call it now. We just talked about it. Um, being able to check and see like what apps are tracking you that, or what uh, websites are tracking you and stuff like that. Yeah, the privacy report. They've updated like your default screen in there. And now you can have a wallpaper in Safari. I'm not sure how big a deal that is really. Yeah, I mean, that's, you could have had that in Chrome as well. So yeah, that's true. The thing that excites me the most about Safari is there's no web extensions API, which will finally mm -hmm. allow more extensions to be in Safari. And there'll be a whole section on the Mac app store for these extensions. Chrome has always had, you know, really good extensions libraries. Um, so it'll be nice to, you know, have hopefully more useful um, extensions on Safari for the Mac. So we'll see how that goes and if it gets adopted, but it's nice that Apple is doing their part to allow for people um, to take advantage of that. And there's a, there's a, uh, quite a bit of other stuff to talk about here too, but I don't want to belabor the point. I think we've hit the high points on that. So how about the, uh, we won't, we can't call it an arm transition, but Apple Silicon. It was a historic day, Mitch. Did you know that? It is a, it was a historic day. <laughs> Their secret lab where they were all very socially distanced. I know that was a set, but man, that was kind of cool. I wish I, I want to go back and watch that section just to see what's mm -hmm. in the background and if there's any Easter eggs. I watch. I I had to laugh because that's all I watched when when I was watching that. Is hmm, I wonder what they got. They had some rack mounted uh, um, yeah Mac what, Pros in there. Macron, yeah, but I I love it that they they saved the guy with the German accent to be the ones that talks to you in the secret lab in the basement. Like, <laughs> it's so good. yes, give me the, give me the evil villain. Like, come on. <laughs> it was pretty good. Uh, and the fact that, you know, it, isn't he in charge of that project or something? Oh, yeah, like yeah. It, it was just, yeah, so, I mean, it, it wasn't like a fake accent or, you know, it just, yeah, it, they weren't being kitschy about it. No, but the coincidence of them being in a secret computer lab in a bunker somewhere and the guy with this, you know, the very strong German or Austrian accent, um, it just made me chuckle. So not that there's probably a whole lot of specifics to talk about with their transition to uh, Apple Silicon at this point, because I mean, they, they introduced it, they showed that, that, you know, what they're doing, their, their transition plan gave us a little bit of information, but I think the best thing for us to do on the podcast here is how do you feel about it? I feel like I said last time, I'm glad they finally did it because now we can move forward, right? It's yeah. the, the, the talk of the transition from Intel has been around for a while and now that it's finally here, like they said, the transition is going to take two years. And they're not even shipping the first one until the end of this calendar year. So we're looking into probably what, if we started it when they ship the first one, that's the end of 2020. So we're looking end of 2022, beginning of 2023, before the transition is complete. And they're, all of the Macs they produce are on their own chips. But I'm glad it started because now we can start to see how the transition is going to go right they they you know they were smart and had adobe and microsoft start working on this early 
right? Because that's people mm-hmm. are, use Microsoft Office and the creative types that they want to keep on the Mac usually work with Adobe products. Um, right. So I think they did it smartly. Um, I thought, I mean, if we get the power and the battery life that they were alluding to from this, it's really going to make the Macs attractive to a lot of people. Like if my Mac Pro that I don't have but want goes from 10-hour battery life to 18-hour battery life because of this or 15-hour battery life, like that's a huge swing, right? Right. And that's like more power, better. And again, it's it's Apple controlling the full stack. So I'm excited that they finally pulled the trigger or that they were able to finally, they've gotten to the point. It's not like they'd just been waiting because they want to, you know, let's let them talk about it more. Like they obviously waited until they had everything in place. Like they've got Rosetta 2 and Universal 2 to help people either get their current native Mac apps up and ready to run on their uh, new Silicon or Rosetta, which will run old apps on the new system. Um, So I'm hoping that the transition goes somewhat smoothly, but this is a process, right? They even said two years. If Apple's saying two years for the transition to be complete, then we know it's not going to be fast, right? Because they're not going to, they're not going to lie about it. How will it be done in a month? Like if they're setting the bar at two years for them to get all of their stuff production-wise ready to go, then that gives developers time, you know? Intel transition took, I think, a year and a half or so. So, which is, which is still pretty quick. You know, when well, you think about yeah, it, considering... needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, and how much they produce. Yeah. So updating all of the production lines and, you know, developing enough of the chips and, and all of that. So I, I like that they gave the timeline and I like that that buys developers time. There's not this pressure right. to have it done tomorrow because even that two-year timeline, that's just Apple saying that's how long it's going to take us to get all of our machines on this chip. That means developers have even more time because Apple still has to support all of the Intel machines they've sold. So we're, I mean, we're looking at three to five years before developers probably even need to really worry about a decent chunk of the Mac user base being on those machines. And we're more looking at probably five to 10 years for that to become a majority of Mac users. So we're at the beginning of a really, really, really long curve here. And it will be interesting to see how this plays out. But I'm glad that we're finally at the beginning. So there's a couple of things that I'm really excited about with this. The first thing is that with uh, with Apple controlling the silicon here, just think of what they can do. You know, when we've looked at the iPhone, the iPad, I mean, they have a complete control over how those platforms go as far as updates and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. They have been beholden to Intel for so long now. And if Intel has a, you know, they have issues getting a chip, new chip out, then we've seen that happen before where like their mobile chips have lagged behind for a while. Mm-hmm. And so if, if they're, if they can't keep up with the demand that, that uh, Apple wants to put on them because they want to offer these features, um, this gives them the ability to say, you know what, we want to do this thing. And instead of going to Intel and saying, Hey, we want to do this thing. Can you make this happen? They can look at, they can just call the, the chip team and say, Hey, we want to do this thing. Can you make this happen? And they're like, we're on it. Let's do it. 
And, and it's so much easier than trying to steer a ship like Intel to, uh, to, to make some of this stuff happen. So I'm excited about that. I'm also super excited about the fact that iPhone and iPad app, apps are going to be able to run on uh, this platform. Yeah, so that's interesting. Tell me, tell me how you feel about that. I'm, I'm excited about it because, quite cool. honestly, I have wanted Marco to put a, uh, a Overcast app on the, I, I, or on the Mac for a long time. Now I can have it without him having to do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's probably the one that, that jumped out at me right away. Right. So I guess that use overcast your example there. One makes a ton of sense. And two answers a question that I actually wrote down in my notes. Why should iOS actually, no. Okay. Hold on. Sorry. The question was why should iOS devs even care about catalyst or native Mac apps if their current app will work right away on the, the current iPhone or iPad app. And in Marco's case, I think it's to his advantage, right? He doesn't have to care about making it because it's going to work. Um, and so I, I, I guess I wonder what Apple's thinking is in doing this. If we made this push for Swift UI, we made this push for Mac Catalyst, and now we're moving to ARM and we're saying use Universal 2 and then you can get a native Mac app running in a few days based off of your, your current Mac code. And they're trying to do all this stuff to get people to make apps for the Mac. And now they're like, oh, but also your iOS and iPadOS apps will work fine. <laughs> then why would I even bother? So here, here's, here's my thought. And uh, and someone could disagree with this and and whatever, but this this would be my thought as a developer. If uh, I just simply want my app to work, then then I don't have to do anything about it, you know. And quite honestly, Marco's Marco's talked about a great deal about Overcast and moving Overcast to to the Mac, and he's like, I just don't have the user base right now to do that. So you know what? All I need to do is have audio that will play on my Mac. And that, that's all I want. Something that's going to, rather than having to go to Apple Podcasts to listen to it. I mean, right now, I've got some stuff in Apple Podcasts that is just video formats that I will listen to or watch on my Mac. And those are very specific podcasts. And Overcast has all of the audio podcasts. So, like, everything is in, is in, uh, is in Overcast. But occasionally I'll go to the Overcast website and listen to podcasts on the website, which is not a great experience. So having the ability to open up Overcast on my Mac to just listen to audio is perfect. Now, Catalyst. Catalyst gives the, let's use Marco as an example. If he did have a lot of people that were using the the app on, um, on the Mac, now he can go in and make it a better Mac experience. So you have that that third um, that third column that he can add in there, and and def- and make it so it's a it's a better experience. So it's not just a little music player or a lo- little podcast player. Now on the flip side, let's say he's like, you know what, I got to get rid of this code. I, I'm going to go in, and he, he would never do this, but. I'm going to go grab Swift UI and I'm going to redesign this whole app in Swift UI and make a better, more cogent experience. And I want to start fresh with this. Now you have Swift UI to start fresh, be able to make a universal app that works on all platforms, and you've got one code base for the whole thing. That's my defense. Now tell me why I'm wrong. Well, I actually think you, that makes a ton of sense, Mitch. All right, great. I was right this time. Can we mark that on the calendar? I don't wish you can. Mitch was right. <laughs> I was right. right. 
we can get it. We can get it. All right. One. But no, I, yeah, I hadn't considered that. I got lucky before. on that one. Okay. No, I, I hadn't considered that. So, um, yeah, makes sense to me. Makes sense. Yeah. And if if anybody's listening, I don't know Marco. I just I really respect what he does. And if you guys use Overcast and you can give him money, he deserves your money for what he does. It's that's a great uh, great app, and uh, it's it's man, you know he does good work. So yeah, I love Overcast. It has saved me so much time with the Smart Speed. Smart Speed. Oh my goodness. I, I, that's why one reason why I don't like listening to the, the podcasts on the web is because he can't do smart speed on the website. So you have to listen at regular speed and it's just like, ugh. um, it's yeah. terrible. So I'm looking at my settings in overcast right now. Smart speed has saved you an extra 112 hours beyond speed adjustments alone. Overcast right. has literally given me days of my life back. What other app can do that? How many hours? 112. All right, I'm at 226. Yeah. Haha. Well, no. <laughs> I've been, I've, I may have been using it longer. I don't know. Whatever. I think you listen to more it's, podcasts than I do. It could be, and I'm, and it's not a competition. So. But you did win, so congratulations. But I did win. Yeah. All right. Well, we have one question remaining for the episode. Are we going to install the betas? Yes and no. Uh, I will not install the macOS beta for the same reasons that you listed earlier. Yep, and I'm I'm right on board with that. Unless I have a second machine here that that suddenly shows up that'll run this, I'm not installing a second. Or I'm not installing the betas for macOS. I do have two iPads. So one of them will be running the iPad OS 14 update. And I will eventually run the phone beta, but I will probably wait until the second or third beta release before I put my phone on it. So the public beta should be out in July. And what I've done in the past is I have installed the beta onto my iPad Pro. I've got a 9, 9.7 inch iPad Pro, the first one that they came out with. And that was my test case to see. That's not a mission critical device for me. I, it's not even one that I use every day. It's, uh, and I did at one point, but I just don't do that anymore. So I'll, I'll install it on that iPad and see how it's running. I have heard from a lot of developers that are running the iOS beta that it is rock solid. Like they're not having any issues that they were having this time last year with iOS 13. So that gives me a lot of hope. And it actually gives me some confidence that if I install the uh, iOS 14 beta on my iPhone, then I'm probably not going to hate myself for doing it. (laughs) But... I did hear recently that that it did brick somebody's iPad. Um, so um, take that for what it's worth. Um, those of us who have DFU'd in the past know that you know it's not it's not a fun process. But you know if you do do have an issue, you can uh, you can you can DFU it and start over. But you're not out a device. But uh, but yeah. So I think uh, betas. I'll probably follow the same plan. Uh, iPad first, uh, make sure that it feels pretty solid. Um, then probably I'll, we'll put it on my iPhone 
and it may be day and date that it's available. We'll see. So but I'm excited to try this out and see how it works. Yeah, and then we have the the long march to the actual release in September, mm-hmm. and then see what what gets taken advantage of uh, the the most quickly by our favorite third party apps. So it's an exciting exciting time of year, Mitch. It is super exciting. I I love. I, I think I almost like the. Well, I do like the software updates uh, more than hardware updates. Because it doesn't cost me anything. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, this will cost me something eventually. But Oh, I had one other question for you that I didn't put in the show notes. Actually, it is in the show notes. We talked about that iMac a couple weeks ago when we, we, we talked. Mm-hmm. What, we, we still were really excited about getting an iMac, right? And especially if it's the one that was rumored. What if it's on Apple Silicon? I mean, it will be. I'm assuming that's the one that's getting released at the end of the year. I think there's a good chance of that. Uh, but I think that the Apple Silicon would probably be better on an iPad or on a, sorry, a MacBook. And I think the rumor is a 13-inch MacBook Pro and possibly the iMac uh, would be released before the end of the year. That's that's I've heard that bantered about a bit. <laughs> but... You know, do you think you think you'd still get it, or would you get an would you get one of the old Intel ones for now? If you had to buy it by the end of the year, if I had to buy it by the end of the year, yeah. If you, if that was your choice and you had to get one or the other, and is the money coming out of my bank account or somebody else's? Let's say the cost is the same. If the cost is the same, then I'll get the the Apple chip. I think I agree with you. The only thing I'm worried about with uh, with buying Apple Silicon at this point is I do have a couple of apps that I'm worried would run properly. Uh, I use Adobe Audition really heavily for editing audio. Mm-hmm. Um, that would that would be the one that I'd be concerned the most about. But if it's but if Rosetta Two is as capable as they're saying it is, I don't think I'll have any problems with that at all. So yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I think I, I agree with you. My my pro level stuff, I use Lightroom for my photo editing, but I use Logic for audio and Final Cut for video. So mm-hmm. that those are both Apple products. So I would be good. Like my my other podcast that I do, I, I run that in Logic. So I wouldn't I wouldn't miss a step. Yeah, and I have Logic. So if I had to switch over to Logic until uh, Adobe got their got their stuff straight, I would probably I could be fine doing it in Logic. Uh, but, and I, I've done podcasts and logic before, but to me, like I grew up, uh, in audio editing with Adobe Audition. So for me, that's the, that's the, that's my app. That's what I use for, for doing that. So what about you? You were forced to buy one in the price. Oh, I, the only thing that would worry me right now is, uh, is IO making sure that we have enough ports. And an iMac with no that, <laughs> Honestly, if they gave me an iMac that had four USB-C ports, I would have to sit back and think about that purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what's on the Mac Mini: four USB-Cs and two USB-As. And oh no! If, if it's got the USB-A ports, that's fine. An HDMI port, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, a headphone jack. Just because I would like it for backup. I don't necessarily need it, but it'd be nice to have it for backup. Well, if you're recording a podcast and something's not working right, that you can run uh, the 
an aux channel into the back of the uh, the device instead of having to go through USB. That hasn't been a problem up to this point, so I'm not I'm not gonna fret about it too much. But um, but yeah, if it's if all it has on it is USB C ports, I and I've got to run everything on dongles. That's to me that's not a good experience. But uh, but otherwise, you know, as long as it's got a couple of USB A ports, I think I'm gonna be okay with that. So I say Apple Silicon. All right. But I'm not buying anything, so. Because <laughs> I'm not forced to. <laughs> well, you know, I, my wife and I have been talking a lot lately with uh, more of the stuff that I've been doing now with, with audio editing. And I've been doing some video editing for the church, uh, just a little bit, not a lot. And hopefully being able to do more of that stuff uh, in the future uh, it makes a sense for me. My my laptop's got 256 gigs on it, which is not enough for a laptop. Good grief. How many times I've got to open up Daisy Disk and figure out what I'm going to delete today. <laughs> well, especially if you're doing video stuff, too. Oh, good grief. Uh, one project in Final Cut is starts at 30 gigs. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just it, it crushes me. And I think that's all I got available right now on the machine so so getting something that's got at least a terabyte in it um is you know i've I've got a i've got to go that route so but uh 24 inch apple silicon imac would be the sweet spot now i'll just see how much it would cost all your money all my money they're gonna take all of it so at least i can get uh no interest financing on the apple card so get get three percent back i can justify it there you go all right well i think that's about all we got this week man we made it through a second episode indeed it was a fun chat you know what i i I was looking more forward to this one than i was the last one so because we had so much to talk about now we've got two weeks to figure out what we're going to talk about next all right pressure's on all right. Well, if you've got questions or feedback out there that uh, you'd like to uh, ask, or perhaps um, you want to tell us what we got wrong, um, hit us up on uh, Twitter. I'm at Mitch Craig, M-I-T-C-H-C-R-A-I-G, and uh, at Cam Brennan, C-A-M-B-R-E-N-N-A-N. And uh, you can uh, slow that down to half speed if you need a little bit more time to uh write those down do you listen to your podcast and uh uh, faster than one x no but i have smart speed turned on so that's kind of where i'm that's where i do it anyway uh hit us up on twitter let us know if uh you have any questions or comments for us and uh, we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks thanks cam yeah man that's good talk to you later